Welcome to the Fearless 4 podcast. Uh, joining me is the writer of the Fearless 4 books, Neil Jones. How are you, Neil? Uh, I am well, thank you, Peter, and thank you for having me on the Fearless 4 podcast. Oh, no problem. After all, you're the writer. <laughs> <laughs> yep, well, there is that, yes. But uh, uh, I'm sure that our listeners will, will talk about the Fearless 4 and, and we'll also look at reading in general, like benefits of reading and things like that. So, yeah. And our admiration for those John and Betty books that we oh, grew up with. Yeah, John and Betty, yes, <laughs> yes. And I do recommend anyone who's who's old enough and can think back to John and Betty and look at what we've got now for our kids, what were they thinking? Yeah. Seriously, what were they thinking? It was really dumb it down, wasn't it? it was, you know, you're not going to get anything worthwhile. No, and if you'd come to school as a reader, um, yeah, you're behind the eight ball because you read what everyone read. Yeah. And, and you know, when you've got John can run, Betty can run. Um. Yeah, there's, there's not a lot you can get wrong in those. Yeah. See John run. See Betty yeah. run. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that's it. And, and, you know, see them fly a kite, um, see them skip, see them hop, something along the lines, but it was just the same yeah. over and over again. And then that was the end of the book. And that was the end of the book. Yeah. Although, they did they bring in Fluff the Dog? Yeah, they did. I'm not sure if yeah. it was straight away or not. I can't remember, but yeah. So it was see John run, see Betty run, see Fluff run. Yeah. See John, Betty and Fluff run. Really, really encourage you to, to read it, isn't it? It's like, eh. Yes. Give me but, something of interest. But that was it. Yeah. So um, I, I think... I can remember getting the Year 3 re reader and being excited because it actually had colour pictures in the book. Yes. huge at the time. Just, yeah. you know, colour. And real stories. And real stories. Yeah. Yes. And That's I what I didn't first... like, that there was, there was no story to it. It was just saying words and, you know, very badly drawn pictures and... Uh, I think the first story, uh, and I, I might have it wrong, but I think the first story in the year three book, which was colour, was the lion and the mouse. Oh, really? I think so. I will have to go and have a check through for the next podcast, but, yeah, uh, just colour. It was just so big compared to what we had to read. Yeah. So I can't remember any primary school books um, oh, yes. That we read because uh, I, I really didn't get interested in reading until I went to high school. Yes. And then went into a shop uh, with some money that I got for my birthday and uh, 
was just looking around as you do and suddenly I was enjoying myself just looking around thinking this is fun yes. and uh, I think I've got the it was either the time machine or war of the worlds it was one of those yes and uh, I sort of read the back cover and I thought well this would be really interesting and uh, that started me off and after that I was hooked yes I did, I did read uh, the Chronicles of Narnia yes. um, over a period uh, before that, but that, that was sort of a long period because I was a pretty slow reader at the start, but I enjoyed that. Yes. But um, anyway, we'll get into all that. Well, I, I think you, you nailed it when you said you were hooked. Yeah. Um, and that's the thing. It, it's the hook to get, um, and I'll say boys mostly, because that tends to be the um, the group who go to school who aren't really interested. It's to get the boys and a hook for them to be able to go, yeah, this isn't bad. I'm enjoying this. Yeah. So even uh, high school, though, they chose really boring books a lot of the time for for the yes. you know school things, um, yeah. Like I, I can remember reading uh, of mice and men. I think we read it twice. Oh, oh yes. And yes. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's the all right story, but it's kind of boring. <laughs> um. Uh, well, uh, our son's twenty-seven now, but I remember year eight. One of his reading books was "Does My Head Look Big in This?" and it was about a girl that wear a hijab to school. And I'm thinking there is nothing there for a year eight boy to go. Oh yes, I'd like to read that. Exactly. That's, that's something that you know. And and I'm sure that for the teacher who prescribed the book, it was a good story. Yeah. But it's just it's not. Um, taking into account that not everyone's going to be interested in that book. Yeah, that's a problem. I think a lot of times they choose books that are, uh, I would just say, like polit politically correct. Yes. Um, yep. To engage a child's mind or, or I don't know what they call it, but, um, but that doesn't mean that they're good to read or interesting to read. And... Uh, I think they'd do a lot better if they chose books, even if they chose old books, you know, like uh, oh, like The Time Machine, for example. Yes. It doesn't matter that it's old. It's it's exciting to read and you, you want to know what's going to happen and and all this sort of stuff. And I think those sorts of books would be more interesting. Yes. But who yeah, am I? I'm a nobody. Right. Okay. So uh, I've got some questions for you. Yes. Since you are an established writer, <laughs> and you, you uh, I have read quite a few of yours so far. Yes. Uh, uh, got some questions for you, so let's get going. Okay, how did you discover that you had an aptitude for writing? Uh, well, initially, uh, I didn't. Um, uh, around. 2017, uh, um, 
I didn't feel good within myself. Um, I thought there was something wrong in my body. I'd spoken to numerous people about it. Um, Mid-2018, um, I got rushed to hospital where they uh, took out a tumour and, and told me that I'd have two weeks to live. So come July, I've, I've had an extra three years and am grateful for every single day. Yep. But um, my wife said, well, you know, what are you going to do with your time? Like, like, what would you like to do? And, and I, I sat back and thought, oh, right. Um, I, you know, I, I can play video games. I can read. I can listen to music. I can do all those things. And, and she said that you used to write just quick stories for the kids that you taught. Why not? try and write those and so I sat down to write my first story and it was terrible <laughs> I'd found a competition um, and it was a 5,000 word story to win $5,000 and I thought let's go um, I think I topped out about 1,800 words and I'm thinking yeah that's 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 not going to win any prize at all. <laughs> and um, it's only through writing and continual writing that, yeah, I, like I, in the, my first story, it would be um, one of the characters would do something for the other character and they'd say, thanks, and that's where I'd leave it. Ah, okay, where, right. Um, now I know that, you know, when someone does something for another person that they you know take their hand they shake it they look them in their eyes and they say thank you for doing that for me yeah. i will remember this and sometime in the future i can repay the favor and uh it makes the story better it, it makes it more understandable and it helps my word count so yeah well, I know yes. just from what I've read that you've come a long way since that first story. Yes. Well, no, that's, that's the first story you're reading. It's the second story. My very first story has not seen the light of day and uh, may never see the light of day. Oh, yeah, you say <laughs> that, but when you become super-duper famous, <laughs> some publisher someone, will pay you a lot of money for that first story. Oh, someone will have to go back and do a lot of work to it. But, yeah. <laughs> Um, were, so yes. Were you um, ever any good at school at, at writing stories, or is this sort of just something that came on later? Um, I, I was a teacher for uh, probably almost forty years. That um, one year I had a year five and six, and um, if I said we were going to write, or the choice was mum would knock on the door and take you to the dentist, they would say, well, I'm off to the dentist. He <laughs> <laughs> did not want to write. Yeah. And and I felt bad because I'm thinking I'm, I'm supposed to, like, you know, help them and, and, and inspire them to write. So um, back at secondary school, I, I think I did enough just to get through. There, there was no incentive for me to write 
any no. more than the, than they wanted. Um, as a boy who loved to play sport, there, yeah, it, it wasn't there wasn't going to be a lot of extra work done if I could go out and keep the football instead. Yeah, yeah uh, so, it's the same for me. It was a case of if you had to write something, as long as you wrote it and handed it in, that yeah. was good enough to get a pass. So yeah. uh, I don't know if the teachers ever bothered to read any of the stuff we wrote. But, no. Uh, anyway. Um, um, yeah, so so to get the boys to read, I, I searched the internet and I came across a fabulous program, which is called The Seven Steps to Writing Success. And uh, I contacted the people and I said, look, you know, I'm, I'm really struggling struggling to get the boys to read. Have you got suggestions? And, and they were kind enough to send me some information which I could use. And the first part of the story called The Sizzling Start is one that I use in all my stories. It, it's like a hook to get people to, to read and um, it's it's five minutes of writing, and at the end of it, you leave the readers hanging on, wondering what's going to happen next. And um, the best analogy I can think of is the very first Indiana Jones movie, when um, Indiana Jones goes in and he picks up the golden idol, and then when he... Uh, puts the sand on the pedestal and the pedestal falls down and he has to race out to avoid all these pitfalls and all these dangers and then you stop. So yeah, but it's hooked you for the rest of the show. Yes, uh, I think I read the book before I saw the movie and it, during that instance it, it wasn't until, like, spoiler alert, he gets clear that I realised I hadn't taken a breath, hadn't taken a breath, and I was like, "Oh, yeah, yes, that was good." That's so true because so many movies, if they if you start watching them, and this is the same with books, but since we're talking movies, um, if you start watching them and the first five minutes, nothing exciting or anything has happened. It's easy to go, nah, might watch something else. Yes. But if they have a, a, a really good hook at the start, yes, you're in. And it doesn't matter if the next 20 minutes is pretty dull, boring, talking or whatever. I mean, that's not boring, but, you know, it doesn't matter what happens because you have that hook and you've got yes. to know uh, how did they get that situation or how did they get out or is there going to be more like that? Yes. And that is the same with your books, of course, as I've read. Um, yes. It is. There is a hook there at the start, and then you, you've got to find out, well, how on earth do they get in that situation? Yes. And How I do they get out? Yeah, yes. how do they get out? And, um, well, so um, I would say writing, we would write for five minutes, and I'd say stop. Put your books away. We'll do something else. And and this went on for a couple of weeks. I had some, I'd say, does anyone want to share? Um, there weren't many. Um, and some of them still 
finish their story in five minutes. The end, which is kid talk for I don't want to write anymore. And I'd say, no, I don't want you to end the story. Yes, good job, but but I want you to have something that has people wanting to read more. And and we did this for about four or five weeks, and I said, okay, pack up. And then one of the boys put his hand up, and he said, I want to write some more. Mm. And a couple of other kids went, yeah, I do too. And, you know, at this moment, cool, calm, exterior, uh, well, if you think you'd like some more time, but inside, I'm doing fist pumps going, yes, these boys <laughs> wanted to write. And um, then I introduced gradually the other steps for writing success, and, and it wasn't as painful as it was, and the boys did enjoy it to the extent where I could uh, print out their stories and put them up outside for parents who, who waited for the kids so they could go out and, and read what the kids had written. That's a brilliant so, idea. Yeah, that's, that's, that's how my writing came about. And, um, uh, yeah, it, at the, as I said, at the start, it, it was really hard to get words down on the page. Like, they were in my head, and I knew what I wanted to say, I just could not get them onto paper. Yeah. Um, my biggest fan is saying that I, you know, I had passion and enthusiasm and I made the classes fun. Yeah, that's good. I wish I had teachers like that. Yeah. So what's your favourite part of the writing process? Oh, has to be finishing. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think I've been fortunate in that uh, I can get an idea in my head and I can sit down and just write like I know where the story is going to go I've read some people say you have to have the end in hand before you start writing so so when you you get towards the end you're not stuck Um, I can remember reading a Stephen King novel and it was about a, an author. And, you know, he said that if he got 100 words written in a day, that was a good day. Mm. And uh, I thought, oh, that, that's terrible because I could sit and write, you know, three, four, five hundred words, not a problem. And I think it helps with the makeup of the stories with the four boys, the fearless four that there's always someone who's doing something that I can write about. And um, uh, how do your books differ from those that are available? How do my books differ? Yeah. Um, I think if you read my stories, that uh, for boys especially and, and older boys, they can like think when they were children and the adventures that they would go on. Um, you know, this is this is back when I think colour TV came in around the mid seventies. Yeah. But it, there was no off sitting side and 
watch TV or, you know, um, no such thing as computers or iPads. It was the sun's up, out you go, and and you made your own fun. You, yeah. You'd call into your mate's place, let's go and do A, B, C, D. Um, we, about midway along the street, there was a street light, and that was the home base for hide-and-seek. So, you know, you, you'd hide until it was dark. Sorry, you'd play until it was dark, and and eventually the parents would sort of say, right, tea time, in yeah. you come. But I like to think that my stories have got elements of um, adventure that uh, grandparents, parents can think back and go, oh, yeah, I remember when we did things like that. And for the current readers, like a, a new reader, it would be, this is a story I enjoy. Like, it, 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 I, I try to put, like, a, a little bit of a, a moral part of the story where the boys, you know, have to come to the conclusion that we'll do this because this is the right thing to do. Yeah, I'd certainly agree with that because when I read them, it's like going back to a a childhood time when, as you said, we were young, we, we played outside all day and we had to make up our own games. We never had real plastic guns that they have now. We used to use you know, a cricket bat or a stick yes. or yes. Um, a tennis racket or anything we could think of. And, uh, you know, we, we just played all day outside and then got caught in for dinner and, and that was it. But yes. it was exciting and fun and uh, used to get a good suntan back then, but not so much <laughs> anymore. Yeah, yeah the, the, yes. And, uh, many of my old photos, it's, it's you know, um, if, if I haven't got my top on, uh, you can see my arms are very bronzed. My neck is bronzed. My face is. But if I haven't had the rest of myself out in the sun, it's lily white. Yeah. Um, and and I also think with the stories, like I put the boys, you know, sometimes they're in danger, if that's the right term. But... Um, it's not so bad that something bad's going to happen to them. But I'd like to think that, you know, if they came across a cave, that it it wouldn't be, gee, you know, we can't go in there. Um, that that there's always going to be someone going, oh, what can go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> yes. As you do when you're little boys. Yeah, but, you know... Um, Gee, I can remember when I was uh, about 14 or 15 and um, I was staying with relatives and we'd walking along probably a 10 or 20 metre drop and my thong flipped over the edge and I thought, yeah, sure. So I climbed down, say, three metres or so, picked up my thong, climbed back up and, and got the rounds of the kitchen from my aunt who said, you know, you could have fallen and hurt yourself. We can buy you another pair of thongs, but, you know, a boy's first instinct is, I can get that. 
Yeah. And and you don't think, yeah, I can really hurt myself. It's it's not a problem. I can do that. Probably now I look it back and go, what were you thinking? <laughs> Give yourself a forehead slap. That was dumb. Seriously yeah. Dumb. That's true. It's 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 a different different life, I suppose. When you're young, you you don't think of consequences and, and no. things. No, and I I would never suggest that you know boys go out and do the wrong thing. Like um, in the first story that we're going to take t- turns in reading, that they come across a, a, a place which they're not supposed to go um, to, but it's like, well, you know, if no one tells, we think we can do this. Yeah. So um, I'll save that for when we read the story but um, yeah no it's 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 like if you come across something like that and it and it does say do not enter then then I'm not encouraging anyone to go sure we'll we'll go past that but yeah. you know you, you can think about it or even you know think well what could be there yeah uh, i suppose the books in a way are, are to help your imagination Yes. Not necessarily put yourself in any danger. No, no. Um, and and yeah, the, the stories that come along, there are some some stories where the kids just you know they have a choice: should I do this or should I do that? So um, I'm just going through some of the stories where um, you know they're captured by pirates. Well, the chance of that happening. Probably pretty small. Uh, uh, I talk about spiders and and clowns. Um, they do some science experiments. Um, save the planet, and um, I like the ending of Save the Planet very much. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Where the prime minister flies. A personal flag for one of the boys, but I'll save that for the readers to to experience and, and enjoy. Exactly. How did you develop your ideas for such a large range of books? Um, to be honest, some of them just like this is where you cue the Twilight Zone music because um, I would write something down and. Then, uh, as I said, coincidence, like um, when I'd write about the clown story, um, I just about finished and then up comes signs for the circus coming to town. And mm. I was like, oh, right. Um, with battle shadows, um, the boys' shadows come to life and attack them. Um, I gave my son a graphic novel in which the shadows come to life. Um, ah. um, with uh, one of the stories, the portal gun, um, I called the place where they get the gun the knick-knack shop. Um, one day we were driving and we were on a back road and we ended up between the ninth and 10th tee of the local golf course. And there was a caravan there selling drinks and food to the golfers, and it was called the Knickknack Shop. No. Just 
seems that I've had a, a lot of coincidences and I can hand on heart say I, I didn't see these and go, oh, I'll write about that. I'd finish the story and then I'd see the coincidence. And, and there's a, a few more as well. And it was really just like, oh, right. That's, uh, that's a bit freaky. Yeah, sounds it. Um, yeah, um, the, the last story I finished, no, sorry, I think the second last story I finished, we were watching a um, documentary on one of my favourite actors, Bill Murray, and um, they mentioned that he had a cameo in Little Shop of Horrors. And when I heard that, I thought, I've got a story. I've got a story about plants that Zach buys some beans from an old man on the side of the road and they turn into magic beans and the plants come to life. And um, when you know, things start going missing, they realise that perhaps they may have had a hand in it. And, and so they have to go and search where they drop the magic beans and yeah so that just came about from seeing the Bill Murray had a cameo in Little Shop of Horrors. Oh cool I always like Bill Murray himself Yes. Yeah. Um, what would you recommend to parents t- uh, who want to encourage their children to read? Uh, it, it's the hook you have to find a story that they wanted to read and, and there have been times when I've looked at the books that the, the boys have been reading and, and just shaken my head because I thought, oh, I don't know whether they're getting the best stories available, but it's the hook. It, it's something that they want to read. Um, uh, yes, one of the titles was Zombie Bums from Uranus. Oh, and, and I can remember that the boy who picked the story up, when he finished, he said, oh, I can read better than this. I, you know, I can find books. But but at that time, that was his hook. And, and I'm going to tell a story um, for one of the kids I was teaching in year six. And his mother came to me and said, he won't read. And uh, sorry, he will read, but he'll only read books about cricket. That's it. And I thought, well, he's reading. It's good. So she said, could I find a book for him to read? So um, I um, gave him a Matthew Riley story to read. Um, he writes very good stories. Yeah. And um, gave the book for the boy to read. And he came back the next day and said, read five minutes last night. And I was like, oh, wow, five minutes, you say? Uh, you might need to read just a little bit longer than that. <laughs> so um, across the course of the week, um, he would read a little bit more. Um, then he'd be like, oh, I read 30 minutes last night. And I thought, well, that's good. You know, you must, must be really getting into the story. Uh, about halfway the next week, the, the mother came to me and said, oh, I want to thank you. Um, I said, oh, so it's, it's going well? She said, yes, I'll call him for tea 
will sit down at the table. He's got his book next to him on the table, which he's reading as he's trying to eat his food. Uh. He's that engrossed in the story that he, um, yeah, he, he just want, wanted to keep reading. Um, I, I hope he kept up at it. So I hope he kept at it in the reading. Um, he might have gone back to cricket books, but that's fine. Um, on a related note, um, he owes me big time. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking Captain of Australia at cricket team or something. Um, <laughs> the year I was teaching him, we went to the local swimming pool for swimming trials. And um, the back of my swimming pool is um, about 30 metres long. And when you dive in from the deep end, the deep end's over three metres deep. Oof. I don't know who came up with that design at all. So uh, I'm there at the swimming trials. I've taken off my shoes and socks. I've put my wallet and phone in there. And it's my job to patrol around. And if anyone gets into trouble, I throw them the kickboard. So he's dived in. He's taken a few strokes. And then he's started to struggle. So I've thrown the kickboard out. It's landed within about oh, a metre from him. It was a pretty decent throw. Still, he can't grab it. And I'm thinking, I'm going to have to jump in. So uh, I dived in to get to him and, and held him up, gave him the kickboard, took him to the edge. It was the best dive I had ever done. <laughs> I wanted people at the side holding cards. 9.9, even a 10. Usually it would be a belly whacker with water going everywhere. It was the, the best dive I've ever done, and I don't think I could ever replicate it. So having saved his life, his mother thanked me with uh, a couple of chocolate frogs. Hey. <laughs> so, yes, if you're listening, Bo Handley, you need to be the captain of the Australian cricket team just to say thank you. Yeah. That's a good story. <laughs> uh, what, what sort of responses have you received from um, readers? Uh, Not just uh, me. <laughs> uh, no, well, I was going to say, I've got a very good friend who wrote a review and said that it helped him remember back when he was this age and the things that he would have done. And, and it was a very kind review. And I appreciate it, Peter. Thank you very much. No worries. But, um, generally, I've, I've had good reviews that um, people have enjoyed the stories. Um my sister, who is also my editor, um, she has suggested that at the start of each chapter, I might like to put in a in which, which just gives uh, a quick overview of the, fo- the the chapter to come. So, um, you know, in which the boys discover that the t- time machine is not where they thought it was going to be and you know Zach runs into a dinosaur so the kids can read that and then they have an idea of what's going to happen in the chapter and um, I had a, a review from someone who said I needed to put more information in 
And I'm thinking, but that's what the pages are for. It's <laughs> just an introduction. I can't write the whole thing in the in which. Otherwise, there's no point in reading the rest of it. There is not. Um, but generally, people have been positive. Um, and, yeah, there been some nice comments. Um, the publishing company which published my first stories is no longer going and I wish I'd pulled the reviews from them, like copied them so that oh, I could yes. hear our reviews. But no, I didn't think didn't think that far ahead. So um, next time a book's out, I'll, I'll appeal to people and say, give me a review. Good um, idea. Yeah. Yes, for next time. Now, when you uh, are writing uh, your books, do you write a book from start to finish or do you switch between stories? Or uh, No, generally from start to finish that, that I'll sit down and once I've written the introduction, I, I've got a fair idea of the direction I want the story to go. So I write through until the finish. Do you um, ever get, like, ideas of other books while you're writing and have to make a quick note to remind you or...? Are you too taken up by whatever you're writing at the time? I think I'm taken up by what I'm writing at the time. Yeah. So, excuse me, Um, like the science experiment, for example, um, I had in my head that the the boys would know primary age children coming up with like a time machine. It's far-fetched. But I knew that once once they got it working, they were going back to where the dinosaurs were because boys like dinosaurs. <laughs> yes. and, 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 of course, you know, it, it, once they were there, it was like, right, what's going to happen with the dinosaurs? And, and I thought, um, I'd try and put in a movie quote, which might get into trouble later on. I'm not sure if you can use movie quotes for free or not. Um, I think you can. Yeah, so naturally I've used the quote from Jurassic Park. And um, anyway, the, the during the adventure, one of the boys, uh, Zach, who is my fall guy, if anything terrible is going to happen, it will happen to him. <laughs> He gets his right middle finger bitten off, and um, over the course of the adventure, he's missing his right middle finger. Uh, when the boys get back to their present time, um, they're trying to convince their teacher and the other kids that they travel back to the time of dinosaurs, and um, so he decides. Well, I had my finger bitten off. Check this out. And, of course, he flips his middle finger up, but because they've gone back in time five minutes before they left, his finger's still in place. (laughs) He's standing there with his finger (laughs) sticking up, (laughs) which, you know, shock horror. The teacher's absolutely appalled. Yeah. Like, you can't do that, Zach. His mates are sort of sidling away from him, going, nope, nothing to do with me. <laughs> yeah. 
So, um, yeah, no, once once I start writing, I'm, I'm pretty much involved in the process. So it's you obviously have a great passion for books. What is your favourite book? Uh, my favourite book um, would be Frank Herbert's Dune. That would be my favourite book. Oh, really? Yeah, from, I think, 1968. I think I read it... Um, about 1973, as a teenager, I can remember lying on the couch listening to David Bowie's Changes album and um, reading the story. And um, if I hear some of songs on the radio, it takes me back to the couch and reading the book. Yeah. Um, mind you, um, my father got a, a really good bargain with the stereo system he bought, but it only played at 33 and revolutions per minute. It didn't play 33 and a third. <laughs> Most of my childhood, all the songs I listened to were slower than they were supposed to be. Oh, no. So the first time I heard, I think it was Sergeant Pepper's, played at full speed, it was like, oh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> This is way better than what I'm listening to. What's going on here? <laughs> oh, that'd be a shock to the system. It was. It was. And, and I just thought, oh, yeah. So after that, it was, I could buy myself a cassette player so I could listen to the music as it was supposed to be played. Yeah. And, of as course, it, the old cassette players... The, the old tapes weren't exactly reliable for giving you perfect sound anyway. No, and once they got tangled up in the um, mechanism, that was it. That was it, yep. yep. Nothing you could do, throw it no. out and get a new one. Yes, and yes. So there were a few tapes that, that went that way, just yeah. to get tangled up. Um, CDs, uh, off topic, but I still like CDs. I know that streaming music's supposedly the way to go. I still like to have something in my hand that I can put in a CD player and have a listen to. Yeah. Yeah, I agree um, with that. I, I prefer to look through my CDs, pick out one that I, I can look at the songs. Yeah, I feel like listening to that and put that in into yes. the CD player. And the last time we bought a car, I said to the guy... There's no CD player, and he said, "No, you stream your music." And I'm thinking, but I don't want to stream. Uh -huh. um, and uh, we got tired of Siri just interjecting in conversations on the uh, Apple iPhone, saying, yeah. um, "I didn't hear that," or, "You know, what are you looking for?" So um, I turned Siri off. And then found I can't stream music to the car because they say you have to have Siri on. Uh, I thought, nice move. Yeah. No, you've got to have the Apple Siri working so that you can stream music to the stereo in your car. Well, the last car that we bought, which would be about seven or eight years ago, 
yes. still had a CD player and didn't have any facility for streaming. So yeah. I'm pretty happy with that. Yes, I think you would too. And, and I think that um, the, the car we traded in may have had a few CDs left behind. <laughs> um, it would have been nice if the, the, you know, the people who went through and detailed the car had gone, oh, we found a couple of CDs. We'll, we'll just send them your way. But no, not today. No. And um, getting off track a bit here. Uh, I forgot what I was going to ask. <laughs> um, with the uh, CD collection in, uh, in in Terry Pratchett's book, uh, Good Omens, uh, he says that it doesn't matter how many CDs you have in your car, one of them always turns into Queen's greatest hits. <laughs> yes. That, that, yes, I, I like that. Yeah, and that's usually the one that's playing in the CD player. Yes. Well, um, I had a discussion in the mid-90s and um, used to let the kids play music so long as it was um, censored. They couldn't play anything with swearing in it. And, and I can remember listening to some song and thinking, this is just terrible. So I put on Bohemian Rhapsody for them and they said, well, that's terrible. <laughs> And I said, yes, but this is 20 years after it was brought out and I'm listening to it still. And I can guarantee you in another 20 years, I'll still be listening to this song. Your person? No. Yeah. It will not um, carry forwards. Yeah, um, Exactly. I think if I were having the conversation with those children now, they might understand and, and say, yes, sometimes songs come out and they are the, you know, the song of the moment, the, the must-have, but it doesn't stand up over, over time. Yeah, I can remember a few years back somebody saying, you know, in the 60s and uh, 70s when there was wars and things on they had the soundtrack by the Rolling Stones and the Beatles and yes. Credence and that uh, can you imagine now if there was a war and you had Justin Bieber and you know, <laughs> Kate Perry and, and all these sorts of people as the music for the background is not quite the same uh, yes uh, when I just before I finished my teaching I, I got to be the art teacher which, um, thankfully, there are lots of good online programs for you to do in the art room because I was a physical education trained teacher. And, and I, can, I would say to the kids, you give me a playlist and, and I'll play the songs. And, and one of them was the Katy Perry fireworks song. And I think the lyric, floating in the air like a plastic bag... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was just like oh, I know it happens. I've seen it. It, it just didn't sort of. Um, I played "Death on Two Legs" by Queen, and um, I convinced them that when they say "kiss my ass, donkey." <laughs> 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 so now, it's my ass. I say donkey, 
but <laughs> they'd have a laugh and, and know what I was getting away with. But <laughs> and I can remember I had a small group of boys and and I checked it. It was, it was all good except for the introduction and the person said, you wanted the best, you've got the best, the best effing band in the world and I was like off 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 <laughs> <laughs> and I said to the boys I'm so sorry they, they were like huh we didn't even notice it was just you know background yeah but just have to be careful yes so yeah I like the, the analogy of Queen's greatest hits being in the CD player in the car yeah so uh, do you want to read yes uh, some of the first the first book called The Mysterious Bottle. The Mysterious Bottle. Book yes. one in the Fearless Four series. Yes. Written by Neil Jones. That's you. Wow. That is me, yes. Um, and book one, two and three. Um, I've got some copies, so I'll we'll have to work out a way if people contact you, I can sign some copies and, and send them to some people. But um, I've recently signed with a publisher who's going to bring out a compilation, which will be the first five stories. Oh. Uh, I'm not sure when it will be. So uh, at the moment, I'm filling in a questionnaire, which is pretty big. So, um, yeah. That sounds it's exciting. A, it does. It does sound exciting. But here we go. Um <laughs> Fearless Four, The Mysterious Bottle, book one in the Fearless Four series. Thomas held on as tightly as he could with his fingertips curled over a rock. His body was hanging over a drop into darkness. He'd stumbled into a hole trying to catch up with his friends Zach, Josh and Cameron. They had all fallen into the hole. If only he had a torch, then he could see where the others were. He yelled out the other boy's name, but got no replies. Thomas could feel the fingers of his hand start to uncurl. Not being able to hold on any longer, he lost his grip and felt himself falling. Falling. Thomas was bouncing a ball against the wall of his house, trying to catch the ball with his office hand. He was wondering what his friend Zach was doing. Zach was sitting in his bedroom with his Xbox controller in his hands was wondering what his friend Josh was doing. Josh was in his backyard kicking his football in the air and running to market before he hit the ground. He was wondering what his friend Cameron was doing. Cameron was sitting at home reading a book. What do you mean? Boys don't read books. He'd just finished a chapter and was wondering what his friend Thomas was doing. Thomas walked inside to find his dad he was going to use his dad's phone to call Zach. It was a sore point of having his own phone. He thought he was old enough and responsible enough to own his own phone, but his dad had told him he wasn't old enough yet. He found his dad vacuuming the floor and yelled really loudly because his dad had earphones on and was listening to music at the same time. Dad! 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 Then he stood in front of his dad so he could see him. Thomas's dad turned off the vacuum cleaner and took off his earphones. Thomas asked, Can I use the phone, please? 
I want to ring Zack. Thomas's dad replied, sure. But first I want you to answer a question. How do you get down from an elephant? Thomas thought for a bit and answered, carefully. Thomas's dad laughed and said, you don't get down from an elephant, you get down from a duck. Thomas groaned to himself. It, it was a dad joke. There's nothing on earth worse than a dad joke. Or maybe a dad quote, but he wanted to use the phone, so he laughed politely and held out his hand. Phone, please. He rang Zach and started talking to him, but realised that Zach wasn't paying attention. Zach, turn off the game, Thomas said. Zach protested, but I'm only on level 27. I have 73 levels to go. Thomas tried again. Zach, pause the game and turn off the TV so I know that I have your full attention. Zach grumbled, but did what Thomas asked. Thomas said, I have to get out of the house soon. Daddy's about to ask me to help with the cleaning. Let's call Josh and Cameron and we can meet at the big tree before the hills and we can do some exploring. Zach said that he would call Josh and Cameron and they arranged the time for them all to meet. Thomas handed the phone to his dad and headed for the door, saying he was going to do some exploring with his mates. Thomas's dad mentioned something about needing a hand to clean the bathroom, but Thomas was already out the door and running to the meeting place. He met up with his mates, Zach, Cameron and Josh, and they talked about what they would like to do. Thomas told them about his dad teaching him to skip stones over water so they could go to the creek and he could show them how to do it. Josh suggested going up into the hills. He thought he'd seen the outline of a cave behind the trees. Cameron and Zach shook their heads. They said that they had seen the cave too, but they didn't like the look of it. Josh asked, are you scared? And that's where we'll finish the third part of the story. That was I good. I, it's got me hooked again to reread re the rest of their story. <laughs> I hope that the listeners enjoy it and um, can make comments. And uh, we'll do this again next week. Your turn to read. And yep. we'll see what happens to the boys. And I will uh, create a uh, uh, an email, which I'll put at the end of this, probably the Fearless 4 podcast or something like that, yes. if it's available. Yes. And um, I'll add that to the end of this. And, uh, yeah, and you can uh, write in and ask your favourite author any questions you want. Absolutely. And yes. uh, you can even ask him to write books about certain topics, and um, it's up to him. <laughs> give it my best shot. Yeah, I, I do have to ask, how many books have you written so far? Um, there are 32 books that I have written and finished. Um, there is one that I've just started, Um and then there is my first story, which, as I said, has not seen the light of the day. And I also have um, our granddaughter's name is Poppy. And I wrote a poem, Miss Poppy's Lollipop Shop. Oh, and cool. Are you going to include that in one of the books? I don't know. I think, think that um, it, 
if I can find an illustrator that, um, yeah, they might be able to, they might be able to um, join with me and, and we can send that to the publisher as well. Oh, that'd be good. Yeah. But, yeah, about 33, 34 books. And they've still got ideas coming? or uh, Yes. Um, the, the last story, um, our, our son Thomas has said, maybe I could write a grown-up story where, where the boys go on like a, a last adventure as adults. And I thought, okay, how am I going to do this? And uh, I'll give you the start where uh, Thomas wakes up from uh, sleep and there's a hole in his bedroom wall and it's um, spinning around and it's drawing things inside the hole and um, as things start to go and just before he wakes up, he hears his name called from one of his mates from a long time ago and and then he's awake and he's off because they're, um, he and his partner's baby is crying and so, yeah, mm. the, the boys are adults but something's happened to one of them and, um, yeah, so... so that, that's the idea of, of this story. Is it going to be uh, the same sort of length as, as the ones you're doing, or is it a longer one? Or uh, I'm not sure yet. Um, the, my first books, they're about four and a half thousand words. Um, the last couple I've written are up around twelve to fifteen thousand words. So whether they are standalone books when the time comes to publish them. And, and I'll see how I go with this story. So you're not going to do a um, J.K. Rowling and, and suddenly throw oh, in a 35,000-word yeah. book or something? I don't know. I, I think I read someone who said, like, their story was about 100,000 words. Huh. That's huge. That's, that's a big story. Yeah. Um, I, I'll see how the story goes, but... Yeah, that, that seems like an awfully big story. It's just that the fearless four boys will be adults. That would be story. interesting. I'd love to read that. Oh, and we yeah. should we mention the girls? Uh, yes, that, that I have two crossover stories. So the, the fearless four boys all go to the same school and um, some of the girls at the school realise that the boys seem to get into adventures. And so um, they decide that instead of being the fearless four, they are the magnificent, um, fabulous, wonderful fearless four. And um, they, they have two adventures of their own, which, which I've enjoyed doing. It, it's different writing for boys than it is for girls. Yeah, I like those stories too. I, I like the idea of having the the girls wanting to have their own adventures. Yes, and and they're very uncomplimentary to the boys. We call them the flatulent four. <laughs> uh, 
yeah, there's a few plays on words where they they rubbish what the boys are, um, what the boys are doing. But yeah, it's it's and and some of the boys' stories towards the last couple of stories have had the girls involved in the stories. So yeah, it, it made sense to write them into their own stories. Oh, it's good because I'm sure girls out there wouldn't want to read stories with girls in them as well. Uh, yes, um, I have a great niece whose who's name's in the story, and, and yeah, she's very impressed. She, she likes seeing her name in the story, and, and yeah, thinks the stories are pretty good. So, a fan. Yeah, well, you've got me as a fan. I've, I've got the uh, the ones that have uh, been... Um, uh, I've forgotten the word. Published, yes. <laughs> um, been published, and you've also sent me. I've been. You've been kind enough to send me some uh, just uh, in on text um, through email, and it's been exciting to read those. So I just can't wait for a whole lot to come out. Basically, it's a, yes. they are great reading, and not only for kids. Uh, like any good book, they can be read by anybody. And you and Louise have a cameo in the Greek gods. Yes, exactly. I was about to mention that too. I know what it's like to be famous and have your name in a book. So, um, But anyway, so I will put an email address that you'll hear by the time this podcast comes up. Yes. And um, you've got copies of the first three, did you say, still? I do. We've got some copies. In, in one of the rooms, I'm, I'm sure we can work out um, how we can get some to some listeners. Yes. Oh, I have a question, though, to end the podcast with. Yep. And this is like, all right, we'll, we'll send out a signed copy of the first three books to whoever can answer this question, and it's which country has the best liter- literacy rate? So if you look at all the countries in the world, there is one country which is head and shoulders above everyone else, and it's not who you would think it would be. Really? Yes. Oh, I can't wait for you to go give the answer on the next podcast. Yes. Or whenever you get replies. Yes, but yes. So there, there it is. Uh, three signed copies of the books posted out. To anyone that comes or who contacts you with the first correct answer. Um, Lynn's saying that if the Greek gods is ever made into uh, um, a movie, your role of Peter would be played by Chris Hemsworth. (laughs) I don't know if he's up to my looks, but. uh... (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. So. You'll have to work out who the actress will be for Louise. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm sure we can find someone. Yes. <laughs> yep. But, yeah, thank you, Peter. Thank uh, you, I enjoyed Neil. this. Looking forward to uh, the next podcast we have. And, and, yes, hopefully we can pull in some listeners. Perhaps um, our Saints Tragics might come across and have a listen as well. Yep, we'll certainly give it a plug on the Saints podcast. 
And if you want to contact Neil Jones and ask him any questions about his books or anything at all, uh, contact us at the Feelers Four Podcast at gmail.com. The Feelers Four Podcast, all lowercase and all one word together. Permission for the use of all music kindly provided by Mr. Glenn Benny.